Welcome to this week's Green Side Up. This is Richard Henschel with the University of Illinois Extension Service. And this week I wanted to talk about several different things that are happening out in the out in the home landscape, and I'll start off with uh, uh, Japanese beetles. Uh, while the populations have been reduced since the drought of 2012, we still, still certainly have enough to do some damage from time to time on some of our favorite plants. Uh, Japanese beetles, uh, why you'd think they only eat, ate your roses and lindens as, as their favorite dinner, uh, or grapes, if you have a small home home vineyard, uh, they actually feed on more than a hundred different kinds of plants, ornamentals as well as some of our weeds. So um, they are kind of buffet feeders. They will feed on a host plant for three or four days and move along uh, to another to another plant for a while before they move on from there. And they typically are going to be feeding for about six weeks. So when they're, uh, the beetles are uh, just starting out, of course, their daily intake is a little bit less. But as they grow and get larger and larger, uh, their voracious appetite, they can really skeletonize quite a few plants out in the landscape. So this is something, so the damage is cumulative. Uh, the longer they're feeding, the more damage you see. On lindens, they seem, the damage seems to be pronounced much more on one side than the other. Uh, on our roses, they're generally feeding throughout the entire plant. I've seen them feeding on hollyhock. I've seen them feeding on 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 uh, service berry. Uh, so there are there, as I say, over a hundred plants that they will eat. Uh, they certainly have their favorites. Uh, if you can catch them when the damage first starts, the feeding is first starting, and put on some uh, protective treatments, uh, foliar treatments. Um, that can be quite effective. Recognize that uh, Mother Nature does not like a vacuum, so even though you may have killed or managed the population of, say, the first 400 that entered your yard, soon enough there'll be another 400 uh, disseminated out in your yard again from other locations because the Japanese beetle does fly. The Japanese beetle is the guy that gives us our uh, grubs in the lawn, by the way, as well. So that may be a necessary treatment later on. If if you've got more than 10 or 12 grubs per square foot, uh, that would certainly warrant a treatment. So Japanese beetles are out and about right now feeding. Uh, their egg laying won't uh, show up until the latter half of this month, which we are about there and into early August. Another topic that has been coming into the extension office is pretty regular are mushrooms in the lawn. Now we have some routine mushrooms, if you will, that show up every time we have a bit of soil moisture from a natural rain or perhaps you've been irrigating the lawn. And they pop up into the yard uh, randomly scattered here and there. And they're, they're showing up because that's a fungus. And the fungus is eating the dead, decaying organic matter, probably the thatch in your lawn, which is a good thing. You're, that's supposed to happen. Um, but the other kinds of mushrooms that we're seeing are growing in straight lines. And those are the mushrooms that are growing on the decaying root systems from the ash trees that have been removed in your yard or in the parkway. While they took the tree down and they routed the stump, all those roots that radiated out many, many feet uh, into your grass, into your lawn, into the neighbor's yard, etc., are, are beginning to rot now after a number of years of, of being in the soil surrounded by moisture. Again, a very natural thing, except that now that we see them that way. Um, the caveat in all of this is if you have pets 
and they are inquisitive, they're most likely you're going to sniff, smell, and then maybe eat those mushrooms. If that occurs, you call the vet, you take the pet there directly, um, and they have the right stuff to stop the convulsions, stop the vomiting, things of that sort. So, so please, if you have a pet that has eaten a bunch of mushrooms, um, go directly to your vet to emergency care and get that taken care of. So that's kind of the kind of the story on the mushrooms. The last part of the mushrooms I would share would be that we are getting calls now about mushrooms and all in the, our landscape mulch. Well, this occurs again naturally. The spores for the mushrooms are uh, floating through the air. Uh, the spore germinates in moist, undisturbed mulch and then lives there. And then when we have a rain, up come the fruiting structure or the mushrooms we see. There's also things called slime molds that we see, rather disgusting-looking patches of orange-brown material on the surface of the mulch. Uh, we have other mushrooms called stinkhorns uh, that pop up. They're a dark uh, reddish-brown tall structure sticking straight out of the ground. Uh, so these are all fungal-oriented, uh, and nothing you can really do to prevent that from happening. Again, this is nature. It's normal. The mulch is organic matter, and it will decay over time, as it should. So we see this going on quite frequently. So the regular mushrooms in the lawn, we've got the mushrooms from the decaying roots from our ash trees. Um, if your pet eats those mushrooms, please call the vet. And then the, all the different kinds of mushrooms and molds that grow in, in our ornamental landscape mulches is another part. Uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about is something going on with the Austrian pines right now, especially the older Austrian pine. Uh, again, since the stress of 2012, they've really never recovered, and we're seeing a pretty good outbreak this year, especially of something called Diplodia tip blight. And this is, this is a fungal disease that has attacked the brand-new growth for this year and killed this year's growth. It gets about an inch and a half or two inches in length, and then uh, the disease takes the, the new growth for this year. The older needles behind have already been infected, so the end result here is we're seeing a, a lot of dead and dying uh, Austrian pine. Younger, younger Austrian pines that are healthy, more vigorous, they're resisting this problem. This is a situation with these older, the uh, older Austrian pines especially. Uh, Diplodia tip blight, while it seems to be very prominent on uh, uh, two and three needled pines, such as our Austrian pine, it can get on white pine, spruce, uh, fir, Douglas fir, but these trees are, are much more or less likely to have the problem than our Austrian pine. Austrian pines are not native to this part of the world, so they're impacted much more heavily by environmental stresses such as drought, such as uh, severe winters, uh, poor siding, poor soil that they have to grow in. And while they're young, they tolerate all these. But as they get older, that's when they that's when they really seem to have the really seem to have the problem with uh, uh, with diseases. So that's pretty much what's going on most recently. Uh, keep up to speed if you can. Do a little reading on the current uh, situation we're having with uh, wild parsnip. Is it something that can give you dermatitis, similar to uh, blistering and, and the rashes like uh, poison ivy? The mechanism is totally different. 
um, but the, the rash remains the same. So be careful when you're weeding uh, uh, disturbed areas where a wild parsnip, and it's in the carrot family, so it has a very distinct seed head, might be growing, become familiar with the foliage. Well, this has been Richard Henschel with this week's Green Side Up. It's always a pleasure. I'll be back again next week.